it's going to feel weird when this is all over and we don't have to wear masks. Right? It will. It definitely, definitely be different. But some of the things that we've learned, I know in my own mind, I might wear a mask just because I haven't been sick at all since I was wearing I know. I know that I'm going to keep masks in our car. And whenever we have to use a public um, outdoor restroom, you know, a, an outhouse type thing like you see in yeah, national parks. protection with that. I am going to wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to have probably a mask in my life from now on. Wouldn't hurt. Welcome to the Winnie and Bill Chat Podcast. This is episode 33. And we're counting down to 2021. Today we are looking back at July and August. Hello, my name's Winnie and that was Bill. We have a photography business called Quiet Shutter Fine Art and Photography. Um, we like to do our podcast by posting nine of our favorite photos to our Instagram account. And you can listen and follow along by checking out the pictures, or you can listen and check the pictures out later. Our uh, Instagram account is Quiet Shutter Photo. So uh, we are really looking forward to 2021. I think everybody is, right, Bill? Uh, I think so. Yeah. 2020 has, um, we could think of lots of things to say about 2020. Yeah. Stunk up the place. Yeah. But it had its moments, and as we've been looking back at our photos from this past year, we have picked out some of the photos that are reminding us and showing us that there were, there were times in 2020 that were wonderful and uh, memorable, and some of our pictures today are going to show that. We're talking about July and August, which is usually a very, very busy time of year for us here at Park of the Pines, which is a campground that has youth camps and family camps all summer long. But this year with COVID, we couldn't have those large activities. So it was a very different year. And so we had a very different summer. But before we get going, we should thank Anchor Podcasting. Uh, Anchor is a free podcast platform that you can access um, on the internet or on an app on your smartphone. And you can record and pub publish a podcast for three, free through Anchor. Wow, I'm really having a problem getting my words out today, Bill. So why don't you join me in thanking Anchor? Thanks, Anchor. All right, Bill, let's just dive right in. And do you have our first picture up in front of you? Yes, I do. So um, in July this year, we had a visit from a comet. Do you remember what the comet's name is? Uh, Idolwise. No. Is no. Neowise. Haley's comet. Neowise. It wasn't Haley's. <laughs> it was Neowise, and we kept referring to it as Neosporin. Neosporin. <laughs> so um, we started to see a lot of um, chatter online about a comet. And um, so we would go outside and have a look in the sky, expecting to see this huge comet hanging in the sky. And to be honest, it was hard to see. It the, really was. 
I was seeing all of these wonderful, beautiful photos online of the comet. And in those photos, um, the comet seemed really big and really obvious in the sky. Now, it is true that our modern day digital cameras can see much more than our naked eye can see. But some of them were, you know, I think enhanced. Don't you think, Bill? Uh, Definitely. And I have no problem with that. I think that that's the artistic part of photography. If you want to do a little Photoshop and a little manipulating of the picture to make it an eye-appealing artistic version of what you were seeing, I think that's fine. Sure. It's art. It's art. However. Don't claim that you, you saw this with your naked eye because you didn't. Yeah. I mean, after a while, as the comet was visible for about a well, a month, maybe? About three weeks, I think, yeah. And um, we found some charts that helped us, helped us locate it in the sky. And after a while, we were able to identify where it was and point our cameras in the right direction. And when you take um, a long exposure photo, then the comet becomes more obvious. You can see it on the back of your camera. And as the night got darker... And if you were in a place that didn't have a lot of light pollution, you could see the comet. You could see the comet pretty well. Right, right. So we spent several different nights, right, going out and trying different locations. Locations, yes. This picture actually was probably one of the nicest ones we did. And this is actually a picture of the uh, harbor in Petoskey, Michigan. Um, It's a... Fairly good sized harbor in that there's a there's a lot of sailboats and pleasure boats and stuff in the harbor this time and that in uh this must have been in July, hey? It was July, yep. Yeah. And we were I mean, there was quite a bit of light, you know, artificial light. There was lights in the harbor and lights from the Petoskey, the city is is right there along the shoreline. Um and this you if you get a chance to look at this picture. You can tell that it's just past sunset because there's just a little hint of the glow of sunset in the horizon there. Yeah, and sunset in July in northern Michigan is 10, 10 10.30 at night. Yeah, yeah. Not 4.30 like now. Yeah. We thought thought it would be fun. Actually, I think we had come back from a little day trip up to the UP and decided to swing into the harbor and see if we could get a picture. And um, we had we kind of had a little uh, tiff. Do you remember this between the two of us? Yeah. Because uh, we had two cameras and two tripods, and we were trying to set the camera up to um, figure out where the comet was because at first we couldn't find it with our eyes. And I was I had checked out the charts earlier in the day, and I felt like I knew where it was supposed to be. You felt like you knew where it was supposed to be. And we did have a little back and forth. Sometimes it happens that way. I, you know, you're being very quiet. <laughs> I think that's because in the end, who was right? Me. No. <laughs> no, you were not the one who was I'm right. I'm pretty sure I was taking a picture of a comet. It was just way to the right of the frame where in this picture, <laughs> it's more centered. Anyways, eventually we did locate the comet. And the other thing about it is the longer that you are outside in the dark, your eyes adjust better. So that's another, 
you know, if you just go from inside your house and step outside on your porch and look up, your eyes haven't adjusted to the dark yet. It's hard to see. So um, once we got our cameras on in the right direction and took some photos of uh, Comet Neowise, we got a couple of good pictures. So like Bill said, this is a picture of the harbor. You can see some of the sailboats that are docked there. You can see their tall masts. And then you can see a little glow of the sunset in the horizon and lots of stars in the sky and the comet. Right. Which this is, is also cool. where the Bear River spills into the little Travers Bay right here. So, yeah, we were pretty happy with yeah. these pictures, but it was also it was warm. You know, that's the thing about summer nights, too, is you can be outside and it's still warm. And uh, I was surprised how many people live on their boats in the summer. Yeah, a lot of people do in the, in that in that harbor in particular. But I know a lot of the harbors around here. That's what people do is they actually will sail from town to town and they live in their boats. I you, you know, know they, we're not boat people per se, so I had no idea. But as we were standing um, on the sidewalk alongside the harbor, and it was getting later, there was a lot of people who were walking back from town and getting back on their boats for the night. Which I found fascinating. Yeah, a lot of them were, you know, they had uh, their leftovers from dinner, wherever they had been. Carry, I think you they know, had mostly they, carryout because yeah. with COVID, the restaurants yeah. were just doing carryout at right. that point. But it, like Winnie said, there was there was a lot of people that were just headed back to sit on their boat for the evening and and um, yeah, lucky, turn lucky, in for the night. Lucky for them. Do you think you would like that? Yeah. I wouldn't mind doing a little bit. I wouldn't want to live on a boat. I don't I'm, like the water that much. <laughs> well, you do, you're not a swimmer, number one, right? Nope. I And I can swim, but in the last, I don't know, maybe four, five or six years, I have become um, sensitive to seasickness when I'm on a boat on the big water. So I'm not sure I'd like to live on a boat where you're constantly have that moving Right. Motion. And Lake Michigan, which is what this water is in this picture, can get, it can get pretty turned up. Oh, yeah. It can get not as bad as Lake Superior, mind you, but it can get pretty crazy. I've never noticed, like the harbor here, there is a break wall that sort of protects this harbor. Um, I wonder how, even when the lake has really got high waves, I wonder how rough this harbor gets. This they, the break wall here, I think, does its job quite well. I think this is a pretty, pretty well-protected harbor. I'm going to mo pay more attention in the future now that I'm thinking about it. So Neowise was a big part of uh, July for us. Take, you know, fun challenge to take pictures of um, the night sky. Uh, if you're interested um, in night sky photography, it you're going to want a tripod for sure because you need to take uh, long exposure photos. I think this photo was probably a 30 second, maybe a little shorter. I'm looking this. There's not often if you have 30 seconds, you'll get a little bit of a star trail, which means the stars instead of just being single points, we'll have just a little bit of a line where the where they've moved. Um, this may have been a. 15 or 20 seconds. Seems like we were doing around 20, if I remember right on these. Yeah. 
And uh, you and I were both using different lenses, different cameras. Right. And I believe this one was taken with our new wide angle lens that we bought before we went to the Grand Canyon. Yeah, I think it was because I remember thinking when we took that particular picture, it was like, wow, that really is different than the other one. Yeah. So a wide angle for night photography or, or sky photography, a wide angle lens, it's not a must, but it really is. I think it's a benefit to get a, that big scope of the sky instead of just a little slice. Yeah, it's amazing how much more of the uh, sky itself that lens will take in versus a standard lens. And if you don't know where the comet is... You got a little better chance if you're getting yeah, more you, sky. <laughs> you can get, it might be off to one side instead of where you want it to be. Ah, uh, you can always crop it. Sure. All right, let's go to our next picture. All righty. So every July, we make a point of going to the Lavender Farm, which isn't very far from where we live. There's Lavender Hill Farm. Lavender Hill Farm is, what, five miles from us? Yes. And um, I like to visit Lavender Hill Farm, even if the lavender's not blooming. But when the lavender's blooming and everything looks purple and you step out of your car and the smell of lavender is just spectacular. I love it. I can't get enough of it. A feast for your eyes and your smell, <laughs> your nose. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. The smell is really nice, but it's uh, it's just a beautiful spot. I mean, the yeah, the it's it's rolling it, hill landscape, exactly. and the 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 whole property is well maintained, and um, they've converted the old barn into a really nice event center now. So, I mean, I'm just impressed kid, how have, much they seem to be improving the place every year that we go there. They have a little gift shop with lavender products, which is nice. It is. It's just gorgeous. Um. It's on Horton Bay Road, and that's a whole, the whole um, area is farms, and it's rolling, like Bill said, rolling, soft rolling hills, and the lavender is, um, you know, it's just spread out all over the farm, and it's gorgeous. So we go every year and take pictures of the lavender. Sometimes we're taking pictures of people with the lavender, and sometimes we're just taking pictures of bees and lavender. and this year, um, we were kind of lucky and caught a couple of monarch butterflies with the lavender. So this picture is lavender and monarchs. And the um, contrast of the orange and the lavender just makes for a nice picture. Yeah, this, this was, I don't know that we've ever taken pictures of monarchs there before. I think this so is we the were, first time I... So we were lucky. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen like smaller little, you know, yellow and white moths. Yeah. Which also look pretty in the lavender. Lots and lots of bees. And if you really want to hone your photography skills, try and take pictures of bees as they're buzzing around and moving about. That's that's a, a challenge to get the right settings and to be able to zoom in and focus on to the bee. We do that every year. Yeah, I I enjoy challenging myself to do that just because you can play around and play around and get all your settings just right. And then the subject will fly away. Right. (laughs) So that's a, that's a fun thing to do. And it's just so pleasant there. And 
it must be the magic of the scent of lavender. But yeah, we go, we make several visits to the lavender farm when it's in bloom and before it's in bloom and after it's in bloom. Yeah. Just so sometimes it's just a great thing for us to get away from the job here for a few, you know, like you say, it's only 15 minutes away so we can sneak away in the evening and, and just have an hour to ourselves to do that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's fun. One of our favorite things to do in July. Yeah. So let's go to the next picture. Yeah, this is another one of our things we try not to miss in July. <laughs> and um, this is in the Upper Peninsula, Michigan. Um, where is it exactly, Bill? It's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but close to... Yeah, it's on... Um... 123 is the highway that it's on. And it's going on, towards Trout Lake. Okay. That's what I was trying to yeah. think of. There is a, not a large field. No. There's a little field. Probably about a quarter acre square field. It's not very big. And it's surrounded by evergreen trees. Yeah. Quarter mile square, I should say, not quarter acre. And, uh, and this field is full of wild cone flowers. And coneflowers are the ones that have um, a big, fat, spiky center and then usually pink petals that um, looks kind of like on the order of a daisy. Right. But the petals are usually always like wispy. Well, in the wild version, they're wispy petals. Right. Um, a lot of people have coneflowers in their domesticated gardens, in their flower gardens. And the coneflowers are much more lush. and the Flower petals are much wider and fuller, and but these wild ones, they look wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, but the insects and and they love them. I mean, yeah, it's really cool to take pictures of these guys, um, just because there's usually so many of the kinds of different insects. We've taken pictures with lots of bees in them and grasshoppers, and uh, it's always just interesting to see how these are growing up. Like you say, they're they're wild and they're fairly rare in the, in the wild. So they're, um, um, they're common in the prairie states. I've read the literature. I think there is a sign at this, um, at the field that says who owned it. And it is now a, um, um, a protected, what do you call that? When you have a, an area of land that has been. It's a nature preserve. Nature preserve. It's a nature preserve. And actually a friend of ours who lives in Houghton, Michigan, and is the custodian of several uh, nature conservancy lands in the Upper Peninsula has told us about this field and how he, um, I don't know if he does it every year, but every now and then he goes to the field and will pull out any new Evergreen trees new that are growing new in the growth of evergreens because yeah. they they tend to snuff out the flowers and they, right and they're trying to preserve this field of cone flowers right right so when we go and next and last time I forgot to bring a pair of gloves but when we go if we come across any little sprouts of evergreen trees amongst the flowers we usually pull them out or at least I do 
Um, yeah, no, we usually do. And then we take a picture and send it to our friend Charlie and say, <laughs> look, guess where we are? And yeah. he always knows. Helping you out. <laughs> yeah. So the coneflowers are fun and we go every year. And uh, like we've said in previous podcasts, we take pictures of the same thing every year, but we really try hard to come up with a different and unique way to take pictures of them. That's, so it's not going to look like the exact same pictures we took the year before. This picture is... Um, taken from a low um, perspective, looking up at the flowers with the, with the evergreen trees in the background, a little bit of blue sky poking out. We have hundreds of pictures of the cone flowers, and I love every one of them. As Bill especially, like he was saying, he likes to try and get the insects, butterflies or bees or grasshoppers or whatever that are on the flowers. He'll try and zoom in and capture that. It's a it's a fun day trip, eh, Bill? Yes, yes, and it's actually we we go this direction on purpose sometimes to go when we're going to the Sini Wildlife Refuge, just to see how the coneflowers are doing. It's uh, is it it's there's more than or there's a bazillion ways to get to Sini, but this is uh, one of the routes we take. So we're going to do two things at the same time when we go out. I know I've had people after we've posted pictures of the coneflowers, I've had people comment or or uh, direct message me and say, I was just up in the UP and I almost slammed on my brakes as I was driving by because I noticed that field of coneflowers. It does really stand out when you're um, if you're unaware of it, not expecting it to be driving along. And most of the UP seems pretty wild, you know, just, you know, wild uh, forest and even people's property, they keep it pretty wild. There's not a lot of super manicured, you know, lawns and whatnot. So when you're driving along and you see this field of flowers, it does catch you. Yeah, and 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 it changes all the time too. Because uh, well, this this summer we actually found some um, different flowers that in an area that we had never seen them before too. So. You kind of got to keep your eye out for the changing uh, yeah. landscape. Yep. Also this year, um, the flowers were very prolific, but I found white cone flowers, which I have never seen in there before. Right. So, yeah, it's fun to go and check that out every year. Yeah. A little summer rite of passage. Correct. Okay, Winnie, let's go to our next picture. Okay, Bill. <laughs> So um, July was exciting for us because, um, well, it was disappointing that we didn't have our usual summer camps, um, no youth camps, no family camp, no, you know, crazy activity with lots of people. And um, it's really busy for us usually in July, but a lot of people who come here are really good friends of ours. So it's exciting to see them. And this year that didn't happen. So it was very quiet around here. But because there was nobody here, it made for an opportunity for our daughter and son-in-law from Montana to come and visit and have the grounds all to ourselves. Not that that's what we were hoping for, but that's how it happened. So um, for several, well, two or three days, our son and his wife from Sheboygan, which isn't too far from here, were able to come over to the park and um, spend time with us and with Lauren and Cole. So our whole family was here. 
Yeah, and that doesn't happen very often. That does not happen very often. It's logistically, it's pretty difficult, actually. Right. So, um, Lauren and Cole, um, when they come back to the Midwest, that's how they refer to it. And uh, his family is from Minnesota, but they have a cabin in northern Wisconsin. So, they stop there to visit them. And then they come on further to Michigan to visit us. Now, I grew up in Canada and moved to Michigan when you and I got married. How many years ago? 39 years no. ago. No, well, 35. 36 years ago. 35 30. years ago. Right. We're working on 36. So I've been here a long time, but it still baffles me. And maybe you can explain to me, Bill, why is Michigan considered Midwest? That's a good question. That Very good question. We're 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 not mid and we're not west. <laughs> right. We I don't know because we should be just called the Great Lakes region. That makes sense. The to Great me. Lakes region makes sense. And it makes sense for Minnesota as well. Yeah. And Wisconsin and Ohio and everything else that surrounds yeah. the Great and Lakes. And we're north. Right. You know, we're north. Yeah, I, we're not mid anything. We're not especially mid that anything. Midwest. Yeah, it it's it's a it's a weird term, but that's how Lauren the, and Cole refer to it when they're the Dakotas gonna, are Midwest. I would think actually Dakotas are just north, but well, South Dakota you could call that mid. Yeah, I maybe. guess. I guess I don't know. It's an odd, odd term, but Lauren and Cole always say, "Well, we're planning a trip to the Midwest this summer," which is funny to hear yeah. Lauren say that. I know. In any case. Um, when they come here, um, I mean, it's pretty unique opportunity to be able to stay at a, camp, a campground and this year to have the whole campground to themselves. Really? Yeah, they felt very fortunate. They were very fortunate and we were very fortunate in spite of the COVID thing. I feel guilty saying we were fortunate because, you know, we would have rather it not be COVID and we would have rather that. Um, everybody got to come to Park of the Pines this summer and, and enjoy it. But that's not how it worked out. So um, Lauren and Cole um, stayed with us. Were they here for five days? Yeah, I think so. And it happened to be in that five days was Lauren's birthday, July 25th, which we never get to spend Lauren's no, birthday with never, her anymore. Never used to be all the time. We'd send her something when she was in Alaska. Yeah. Or Colorado or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really fun to have her home for a little bit during the summer, especially over her birthday. And it was really fun to have the whole family gathered together. And when Lauren and Cole are here, they want to spend as much time on the beach or in the lake as they can. They get up in the morning, they go in the lake. <laughs> we have some breakfast and do something. And, and um, this year we often sat by the lake and had donuts and coffee for breakfast by the lake. And uh, they had a really great stretch of good weather. So they, um, they were able to do exactly what they wanted to do. It was COVID. So we didn't want to go out, you know, to restaurants or um, visiting a lot of people. We, they just wanted to stay put and stay safe and enjoy the sunshine and the lake and the, and they did. So this picture, do you want to talk about this picture, Bill? So this picture is actually a picture of our son, Andy. Uh, and you must have taken this picture. I did. It, uh, it, Andy's got um, 
sunglasses on that are really polarized, so they they black out his eyes altogether. But you they're reflective. You've you've caught the reflection of Lauren and Cole sitting on uh, beach chairs on the opposite side from Andy. So it's kind of in a his cool glasses. pictures in his glasses. Yeah. yeah, the reflection of them are in one of the lenses of his glasses. This was my sneaky way of getting a picture of all four of them. Andy and his wife, Sarah, Lauren and her husband, Cole, all in the same picture, but without lining them up like ducks in a row and taking a photo. So you can, I, you can barely count Sarah. Should you see her, can ear. her ear? <laughs> That's Sarah's ear. That's Sarah's ear sitting, sitting next to Andy. Andy's I, I was sitting next to Andy and I, I asked him to turn his head a specific way. Andy's also a photographer. So he knew exactly what I was up to. And I, I don't know if he was all that impressed with what I was doing, but he did play along. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the other thing in this picture that shows us how, uh, Unopened for business we were this summer's the the dock is actually stacked up on the left hand side just out of focus and from Andy there too yeah we never even put the dock in on um mm. at the beach this summer nope it was it was yeah it was there stills there yeah there's snow on it now there's snow on it now yeah it um Andy was disappointed about that Andy likes to fish and he likes to come over to Park of the Pines and stand at the end of the dock and. There's a perfect little bass hole just off, off out from the dock. And so he can fish and catch bass all day long. Uh, this year he had to make an attempt at trying to fish from shore. And he actually did catch he some did catch fish. catch a few, yeah. but not, not the big ones that he, he likes to catch off the end of the dock. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's go to the next picture. Yeah. I posted a lot. Let me see. The next picture is a picture of. Lauren and Cole in their bathing suits heading back to the what we call the big cabin. That's where they chose to stay for the few days that they were with us, um, which is pretty. The cabin is pretty rustic, but everybody fights over who gets to stay in the cabin. Yeah, Lauren and Cole love love that as an option when they're here. Um, they've done that a couple of times since we've been here. Um yeah, it's, I mean, the, the cabin can't be beat, really. It's, um, I mean, you do have a real bed to sleep in when you're in the cabin. So it's not, it's not roughing it too badly. And right. there is electricity. Right. And, uh, but it's right on the shore of Lake Charlie Boy. So you can open the windows and hear the waves all night long. And that's probably the best feature of that cabin is that the windows are all screened windows so you can just open them wide up and let the breeze come through and lay in bed and listen to the to the lake. Yeah. And isn't it interesting how you raise kids and they they're sweet little kids and then they get to be teenagers and they get to be a little rebellious. They go off to college and they don't want anything to do with you. They won't answer your phone calls. And then they get to be a little bit older adults and all of a sudden you see what Lauren's carrying there? She's got her towel, but she's got a crossword puzzle, crossword puzzle book. Yeah. <laughs> and all they wanted to do was sit at, be in the water or sit at the beach and do crosswords and just. <laughs> yeah. My, how she has tamed, right? Just a bit. <laughs> and we love Cole. He's an absolute sweetheart. So, yeah. Um, yeah. We just felt. We just felt so lucky to have them come for a visit this year. And I know that um, the amount of time that all of the kids were here, 
I just wanted to stop time. I remember sitting on the beach and Lauren and Cole were in the water and Andy was trying to fish and Sarah was reading a book and everybody was happy and we were just relaxed and enjoying having everybody there. And I remember thinking in my head, take this in, you know, remember this moment. I'm going to cry. Don't cry, Winnie. Yeah, it was, it was just a great time. Um, like I said, we don't, as a family, we don't get together enough. And so we were very fortunate to have that time with the kids this summer. Yeah. And I think also because it's COVID and, you know, we're pretty isolating ourselves as we're supposed to doing our part to um, keep everybody safe. And maybe I'm just moaning a little bit that I miss, I miss a little bit of that social activity, but I know this summer we really enjoyed having them all here and we ate outside at the back of the deck. We would cook our meals in the house and then take it over to the deck and and enjoy the outside and the um, the Merlin Hawks would circle around us and make yeah. a lot of noise. And yeah, it was such a good time. Yep. As a matter of fact, go to the next picture. Um, in the next picture, you can see Andy. He's actually standing on a raft. On the very edge of the on water. The edge of the water. Yep. Sun is going down. Andy's trying to fish. And Sarah's doing what she loves to do the most, which is reading a book. Right. The big, thick book. And for those of you who can see how big a book that is, she started reading that about three hours earlier than I that. I know. I knew that um, Sarah likes to be doing stuff. Sarah's, our, our daughter-in-law, Sarah, Andy's wife, is a real go-getter. She, um, she loves her job and she works very hard at her job. She's on the city council for Sheboygan, and she puts a lot of effort and care into that. And uh, she also has lots of little hobbies. She likes to do different. Uh, uh, she likes to sew. She likes to craft. She likes to be busy, but she really loves to read. So if she's really going to relax, she's going to read. And um, I knew that just sitting on the beach and taking in the sun for the day would not be what Sarah wanted to do. So I handed her a book when she got here. And she started to read it. And by the end of the day, she was done with that book. Unbelievable to me. I can't read that fast. I think when I posted this picture on, um, on social media, I put the comment that the, the key to a happy marriage, and that's to both find ways to enjoy what you enjoy doing together. And right. that's exactly what Andy and Sarah were doing. Yeah, yeah. Andy was doing his thing. Sarah was doing her thing. They were, they were both all, happy. They were happy. Yeah. Yeah. July was great because of visiting with the kids. I, you know, in spite of it being a COVID year and all of the disappointments we had, that was such a highlight. Yes, it was. So let's go to our next picture. Oh, boy. This is an interesting picture. I'm going to let you talk about this picture, Bill. So this is our friend, Abby. Um, and she is holding a floating device for a lifeguard. And she is standing on a dry lake bed where <laughs> she was lifeguard the previous summer. This is actually um, out in front of the, our church owns a campground in the, in the Saginaw Bay City area called Sanford. 
and it is on um, the edge of Sanford Lake. And for you, those they call who, it Sanford Lake or Lake Sanford. I'm not sure if I get that right when I say. I don't it. know. We, I just call it Sanford, anyways. Yeah. But, um, but and Sanford was a, is a man-made lake that was made when they dammed the Titabawassee River. Yes. And uh, it created Sanford Lake or Lake Sanford. And that is where our church has one of its campgrounds. San, uh, Sanford Campground is just like Park of the Pines. They have youth camps and family camps and retreats and, um, and that kind of thing. But um, sadly, and maybe Bill can explain it better than I can what happened this summer. As if 2020 didn't have enough rotten things to deliver. Was it? This, that was this summer. It was. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the, the dam we speak of um, had, had been leaking for some time. And uh, probably the first part of June, it all of a sudden, and I can't remember if there was a big rainstorm. I think water was high all over water this Water was year. high everywhere. Anyway, the and dam. And was, wasn't there a series of levees and dams that all. Yeah, I think there was like three of them or at least two of them that one broke would piled everything into the second one and the second one just couldn't hold it back and it, it just, just drained way. everything yeah right. yeah and within hours yeah the lake drained so abby is standing on the the what was the lake um bed and it is all dried up like i would say it looks like elephant skin yeah it's just really dried and wrinkled up and uh yeah sad yeah we we looks like the sahara desert yeah we took several pictures uh we never had any idea um because you could see like um the tops of trees out in the lake sometimes and it looked like you know there's a stump out there well yeah 30 the, foot stump <laughs> the, yeah i think what happened was they must have went out at some point and cut all the trees off when the when the lake was frozen, because all of these trees, because it wasn't originally a lake, right? When they flooded the area and made it a lake, there was still trees that were then in the lake, right? They just flooded a big area that just became the lake. So now that so, it's drained, you can see yeah those trees. And again, we know some people who have boated on that lake, and it's like, oh no wonder I keep hitting things out yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah, so. So Abby is a school counselor and uh, has summers off. Abby's husband, Dan, is uh, the Community of Christ Michigan Mission Center president. Um, I have a job with the Mission Center helping the camp, the youth camp directors and the family camp directors um, recruit their staffs and train their staff and get their programs going. And uh, because this year nothing was happening at, happening at the campgrounds, uh, Dan asked if I would go with him. So Abby and, and Bill, of course, came along with the package and sort of inspect the records and things that were stored at each campgrounds um, that uh, with regard to the youth camps and also check out the grounds and, and what was going on. And so when we got to Sanford, wow, um, we knew that the lake had drained, but to see it in person was just it's yeah. just devastating. It was devastating. You just, yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful little setting there. And um, even, you know, we didn't mention that the uh, the actual little town of Sanford 
has their Fourth of July celebration on the campgrounds grounds there. Right, that's where they shoot their fireworks and, off. Um, the little town of Sanford. We should have also to worry about burning anything up this year. Well, but normally they don't either because they shoo them out over the water there. Yeah. yeah. The little town of Sanford was flooded when the lake, when the, right. le, when the dam let loose uh, the, and several buildings, it's just a little tiny town, a village, really. A uh, lot of the buildings um, took water like six, seven, eight feet worth of water. Yeah. Into the, a lot of the buildings are going to have to be torn down and it's just devastating, just really, truly devastating. And when it was flooding, you know, people's docks and pontoon boats and whatever else was along the shoreline ended up draining down to the, so there was a lot of debris that was in the lake that had to be cleaned up. And now Abby had uh, gotten trained to be a lifeguard and had been a lifeguard at Sanford the previous summer, which is why I, I, I kind of forced her, I kind of pushed her into taking the lifeguard equipment and standing where she would have been standing on a dock when she was working as a lifeguard at camp. Um, and I, I think I probably made her smile too, which is a little, was a little bit maybe mean of me because it's not a very happy picture to see no. that there is no longer a lake there. So what is left is the Titabawassee River. The original trail of the river is snaking its way through the, the lake bed. Which is about a quarter of a mile out in from where yeah. Abby's standing. It's just, it was really devastating. You know, I guess when we went down there, the thing that kind of ran through my mind is unless you've personally experienced floods, you have no idea. You hear about it on the news, you know, and, right. and it's, an, it's a thing people talk about. But unless it personally affects you, you have no idea right. what right. kind of destruction and what how crazy floods right. change people's right well first of all lives. the flood itself how the damage that it caused and then now everybody that has lakefront property has property that is staring at a big dried up mud pit right you know what was desirable and coveted beautiful property before is now you know the the property values will depreciate and um, it's going to be evidently probably in court for years as to whose whose responsibility it is to rebuild the dam and and who's going to have to pay for it and and it's just going to be a nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's an ongoing battle. Like you say, it's probably going to go on for quite a while. Yeah, it was it was sad to see, and it was ugly. I mean, it's ugly. The lake bed all dried up like that is ugly. However, I will say um, that flooded the dam had broken. Maybe it had happened a month before we visited. Yeah. And already there was grass and stuff starting to grow in areas of the lake bed. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. So maybe a few after a few years, it would all just green up. And it was also fascinating to see what kind of junk had been laying on the bottom of the lake. <laughs> like we saw several uh, lawn chairs that obviously had been in the bottom of the lake for a while because they were totally encrusted with um, zebra, mussels. zebra mussels. Apparently there was a lot of zebra mussels in that lake. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That And old buckets and old uh, um, coolers. Yep. Yeah. Junk. Yeah. Yep. And some of the junk you could tell was just stuff that had gotten washed down with the flood because it was not, it was not, obviously it was new stuff, but you could tell the stuff that had been stuck in the bottom of the lake for a long time because yep. it was, 
you could tell by the shape it was a lawn chair, but it was totally encrusted in mud and zebra mussels. Yep. Yeah, that was a really weird, that was a weird day, weird experience. So let's go to our next picture. Ah, now we're into August. And when I went to my August file of photos, I was surprised to see that there wasn't very many photos and really nothing that I wanted to highlight. And I thought, I cannot believe we didn't take any pictures in August. That is so weird. And then I remembered that we took, we shot a wedding in August. Yes, we did. And so therefore I went to the folder that had all of those wedding pictures in it. And this is one of the pictures from the wedding. Now, um, this couple, um, the bride, Lydia, is a longtime supporter of Park of the Pines. She grew up coming to camps at Park of the Pines. Um, as she got older, she became um, a counselor and on staff at many of the camps at Park of the Pines. And uh, a year before this, she invited her boyfriend to come and be on a camp staff. He'd never been to camp. He'd never been on a staff for a camp before. And he fell in love with the experience. And uh, so he was a counselor for a group of boys at camp. And every year at camp, they have a talent show. And he got all the boys in his cabin behind him with this big plan to um, he was going to do a skit at the talent show where he was going to be a magician. And he was going to call his girlfriend, Lydia, up on the stage and act like he was going to make her disappear. And he put a blanket over her and said all the magician words. And when they took the blanket off, abracadabra, he was on his knee with the ring and proposed to her in front of the whole camp. <laughs> and everybody went crazy. So they were determined that they were going to get married this summer at Park of the Pines. But that was the plan. Yeah. It was not an easy plan, was it, Bill? No, it was not an easy plan. So they had the date set. They had, you know, all of the preparation that you have for a wedding, all of the planning. The dress was bought. The suits were bought. The, the, all of the details were being planned. And then COVID hit and the campgrounds shut down. And so it was really in limbo as to whether or not Liddy, Lydia and John would be able to have their wedding at Park of the Pines. And that typically the benefit of having a wedding at Park of the Pines is that you can stay on the grounds, have the wedding ceremony on the grounds, and then have your reception right there too. Um, it's a church-owned campground, so the one caveat is there is no alcohol, but that didn't matter to them. They loved the ground, Park of the Pines, and they loved the camping idea, and they wanted to have their whole deal at Park of the Pines. Well, um, yeah, that was starting to look in jeopardy, that that was not going to be able to happen. So over a lot of negotiating and a lot of, um, you know, submitting plans for safe procedures, they were allowed to have their ceremony at Park of the Pines, but they were not allowed to have their reception at, on the grounds. Um, World Church thought that that would be too, you know, they didn't want it to be a super spreader event, I guess. Right. The risk was not worth the there reward. There you go. Yes. So they were limited in the number of guests they could have at their wedding. The uh, intention was to have the wedding outdoors 
and socially distanced. So there was a lot of planning that had to go into this wedding so that it could happen in the place that they wanted to happen. So they were able to have their ceremony at Park of the Pines, and then they rented the pavilion in the park in downtown Boyne City for their reception. Which was a lovely place. It was wonderful, and it's right next to a little harbor. Yes, and that's where this picture's taken. Right. Out on the dock in the harbor in Boyne City. Yeah, so we... We uh, whisked the bride and groom away from their reception for a little, for a few minutes so we could take them out by the boats and by the lake and get some pictures. This is one of my favorites where uh, John is giving his bride a little dip. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, they're both smiling. They were having a good time. Yep, they certainly were. Yeah. It turned out to be a beautiful wedding. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Lydia, um, just... One disappointment for Lydia was that she, her family is very close with some little girls that were supposed to be in her wedding. And a week before the wedding, they had a potential exposure to someone who had COVID. So they couldn't be at the wedding, which is disappointing. Um, But I love what Lydia was able to do. Um, Probably three weeks later, she came back to the Park of the Pines with the little girls And they got dressed in the dresses they would have wore for the wedding. And Lydia put her wedding dress back on and we did a little photo shoot with the girls so they could feel like they had a little bit of the wedding experience. Yeah, they all really enjoyed that. I was, I was actually, the weather was nicer to take pictures that day than it was the day of the wedding. So we got some cool pictures that way too. Yeah. And it was fun because it was relaxed. You didn't sure. have that time constraint. Yeah, there was no pressure. And, yeah. When you're photographing a wedding, there's lots of time constraints. You know, you don't want to have the bride and groom away from their guests too long. And you want to get the pictures you need. But so you're just moving, moving, moving. Yeah. So doing a little second photo shoot is kind of a fun thing. Yeah. Sometimes if you can get the bride and groom to have time to be able to do it, it's a great way to just have some really relaxed pictures as well. Right. Right. And on the morning of the wedding, it was raining. It was raining pretty good. And I was really worried we weren't going to get good pictures. And I said to the bride and groom right then and there, I said, you guys, let's do what we can today. But if you want to, why don't you come back um, in the next couple of weeks when the weather is good and get dressed back up, just the two of you, and we'll take some pictures on on a better day. And they were happy to do that. But in the end, it cleared up just enough. The rain, it didn't rain after the wedding and we were able to get lots of pictures. So we were, we did good. Yep. It worked out. It worked out and it was a fun day. Yeah. But how interesting to be involved in a wedding during COVID. So if you go to the next picture, Bill. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is a picture of the bride's grandparents. And uh, this one was taken at the reception. And you can see uh, grandma and grandpa are giving each other a little kiss, but they're both wearing their their masks. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It, everybody was wearing masks all the time. It was, yep. it was, everybody's trying to be as safe as possible. Right. Right. Everybody, everybody in the um, audience, I guess you would say, in the congregation during the wedding ceremony had masks on. Bill and I wore masks and, uh, the bride's cousin David helped us out taking photos too, and we all had masks on. It's an interesting world. It's going to feel weird when this is all over and we don't have to wear masks, right? It will. It definitely 
definitely be different, but some of the things that we've learned, I know in my own mind, I might wear a mask just because I haven't been sick at all since I was wearing I know. I know that I'm going to keep masks in our car. And whenever we have to use a public um, outdoor restroom, you know, a, an outhouse type thing like you see in yeah, national parks. protection with that. I am going to wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to have probably a mask in my life from now on. Wouldn't hurt. In this picture, Grandma and Grandpa's masks are homemade masks. Uh, Grandma's a seamstress. And so I'm sure that she has sewn probably a lot of masks during COVID. Yeah, I'm sure she has. Yeah, this is a sweet picture, don't you think, Bill? Yeah. And it was a lovely wedding. Yeah, it really was. It really was. So that was our last picture for July and August, Bill. Can you think, we like to end our podcast with a picture we missed, the picture we didn't get, the picture that got away from us. Can you think of something that we missed in July or August? Hmm. <laughs> you know, we typically get to take a lot more uh, pictures of monarch butterflies and stuff. And we just didn't get a whole lot of those this summer. We tried. We tried to follow the, there was a lot of monarchs in the Sini Wildlife Refuge at one point this past summer. And uh, we try to time, by the end of August, they're starting to sort of gather to get ready to migrate. Right. And we try to time it every year and, and we just didn't get it right this year. Nope. We'll keep on trying. We'll keep though. trying. Yeah. So I, you know, I miss taking pictures of, and it couldn't happen because the camps didn't happen, but usually I just have a ball taking pictures during the youth camps. Um, often, um, you know, the staff is also busy running their, their classes and their activities that they can't get a lot of pictures. So I take a lot of pictures of the camps and at the end of the, their week of camp, we'll put together, um, pictures and music together for their last um, gathering before they leave camp. And I didn't get to do that this year because we didn't have camps. So I, that's, I guess I'm going to say that's the pictures that got away for me. Yeah. Yeah. I know you really enjoy doing that. And, uh, I'm sure that, uh, the calf, the camp staff and campers always love to, to have those, uh, slideshows as well. Oh, it's so much fun to take pictures of kids when the kids are at camp, I could go on and on about this and I'll try to not. But when kids come to camp, it's interesting. When they first get there, there's a lot of kids that aren't sure they want to be there. Their parents have told them this is what they're going to do. Um, they, some of them get a little homesick. Some of them just are not used to being with a lot of kids they don't know. And also nowadays, kids are so attached to their electronic devices that they've sort of lost that ability to just get along without, um, you know, a phone or a, some kind of a screen in front of them. I think for some of them, they just don't feel the need to be around anyone else. Which right. is a, I, I think that a lot of socialization takes place over, over the internet anymore. And so kids are uncomfortable when they get together at a camp, but it only lasts for a couple days. And by the second uh, day or the third day, all of the kids have sort of forgotten about their phones and, and their game, game systems, and they're having fun. They're outside, they're running around, they're doing tie-dye, they're in the kayaks, they're playing games, and they're just having a great time. And it's so much fun to, 
to capture pictures of that happening. So that's what got away from me this year. I miss taking pictures of the kids at camp. Yeah. Well, this next summer, hopefully we'll we be- are hopeful for 2021. Just this week in the United States, they have started getting vaccinations against COVID-19, which is a miracle when you think about it. A lot of the vaccines that we take for granted nowadays took years and years and years to develop. So the fact that we have a vaccine for COVID this quickly is amazing. And hopefully we'll be able to have camps this next summer. I'm hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. It would, it would be great if, if we're that far into the process by then. Um, hopefully people will, will be trustworthy enough to, uh, to get the to vaccine, get the vaccine yeah. and, and understand the, uh, the impact it'll make for themselves. As so well you, as the others so when you them. get to have the vaccine, you won't, it, you won't hesitate. You'll just go get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. We Sign got Bill up. and I actually got flu shots this year for the very first time. Yes, and, we'd never gotten flu shots. I never, I never really had gotten this flu very much until the last couple of years mm-hmm. that we were here. We got a couple of doses of the flu that was pretty nasty. So yeah. it's like, okay, not I again. I wonder, is that because we're getting older? God, I hope oh, that's not. Let's hope not. <laughs> it's got to um, be a fluke. You know, there there have been some years where the flu vaccine has been in um, short supply. And so they only let people who are older than 60 or something. Much older than us. Yeah, older than us get the vaccine. So this was the first year anyways that we got the flu vaccine. And were you nervous to get the vaccine, Bill? Yeah, I know. Just the unknown, you know. Well, and I don't know anybody who loves to get a needle. No. But uh, it was easy. No big deal. Yeah, absolutely. No big deal. So, yeah, when we can get the COVID vaccine, we'll be in line to get the COVID vaccine. We'll do our part. That's right. So we're getting closer to 2021 and we're hoping that that will be uh, a year with a little more promise than 2020. So next week we will talk about September and October. Alrighty. And we we had nice we had a nice little trip out west, road trip out west, uh in uh September, which we have talked about on our podcast before. But I am going to search for the little left out details that we haven't talked about before. So tune in next week to We find... also had another COVID wedding we did in October show. Oh, that's right. Another COVID wedding. It was busy. Yes. To find out the details, and that was a wedding too that had to radically change their plans from what they had going to what they could do during COVID. So yeah, that it was, was it very was pretty unique what they came up with, and it, we were happy to have been part of that whole process too. It was fun. Yeah, really fun. So tune in next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to leave us a message, you can go to our um, podcast webpage, and you can actually call and leave us a voicemail. Either let us know what you like or let us know what you don't like about our podcast. We're going to be reevaluating what we're doing for our podcast next year, and we might change it up a little bit. So we'd like to hear from you what you would like us to do in 2021. Yeah, if you have any suggestions, please drop us a note and let us know. And thanks for tuning in today. And we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye.